you are listening to another edition of the Bondzilla Podcast. The Bondzilla Podcast is a bi-monthly celebration and analysis of two of film's longest-running franchises, James Bond and Godzilla. This week, we take a look at the very first appearance of that legendary atomic-breathing monster, 1954's Gojira. Everybody, welcome to episode two of the Bonzilla podcast. Uh, oh, <laughs> I thought you were going to. I thought there was more to it. You? Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's just people know. I hope people listen to episode one because yeah. that's where we kind of explained everything. Right, yeah. So I hope that people now listen to episode two and they're like, "Well, we want them mm. to get kind of right yeah. to the point." Well, normally people say like who they are. Oh yeah, it I seemed guess, like I you, guess I you, you, it seemed like you didn't go through the whole thing, which is fine. You know I mean, what? I, you know, I, I kind of did. I, I was so excited yeah. to talk about they, our next movie that I completely forgot to introduce myself. Well, <laughs> let's do that right now. Right. I am Nick Tedesco, and I'm Will Tedesco. That's not that's your not name. my name. No, that's not your name. My name is Nick Tedesco. <laughs> it, you have to you have to treat it like you have to do, go by the Stanley rules of podcasting. Every podcast is somebody's first podcast, which is actually. I said that as a joke just now, but it's actually probably not 100%. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, like, uh, there's, there's a couple podcasts where I listen to episode six first. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite podcasts, I listen to episode like 20 first. And our, like, our, goal go back. For, our goal for this show is to get to a certain amount of episodes that when somebody gets in and they see like, oh, how many episodes? And then they're like this many episodes. It's like, oh, man, that's so overwhelming. I don't want to listen to it. And that's kind of where I want to get to. That's that's the dream. <laughs> the that is the dream right there. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, yeah, no, first episode seemed to be a success. Hopefully, in I terms so. of, uh, I know some people enjoyed it, so I hope they continue to enjoy. We this got one. some listens. Yeah, we and, did. Yeah, and then uh, you're doing a bang up job on the social media front. Thank you. Oh, oh, thank, thank, you. You. thank you. Thank you. Um. So yeah. So last week was uh, Doctor No, James Bond. Yeah. Well, um, if if this is somebody's first podcast, I guess we should also just do the quick. Uh, well, that's all. That's all in the intro. I guess. But, yeah. but just as a quick, we, <laughs> okay. uh, right, we're, right. uh, I'm a Bond fan. Will's a Godzilla fan, and uh, twice a month we'll be going through a Bond film and a Godzilla film to mm-hmm. discuss, analyze them, and talk about their legacy. So, but la- so last week Nick had his fun. We got to you know see the first adventure of the man with the license to kill. I mean, but you know that's. I was nice last week. Or whenever we recorded, you may never know. But, you know, I mean, it's just, here's the thing. James Bond, he's just a guy, right? He, he's just a dude with a gun. How many white men with guns do we need? Well, you know what you do need? What do you, you need, Will? You need giant lizards, right? With guns. With guns. <laughs> which, which has actually never happened in a Godzilla in a Godzilla movie. That sounds like one of those bad pitches like for like an American version of it that like the nerd sphere on the internet would be mad about. Like remember when people got mad about Jurassic Park, dinosaurs with guns. And it's like Godzilla with a gun. Oh, how dare you? It feels like Godzilla with a gun is something that would 
probably happen on The Simpsons. Like that's yeah, like the joke yeah. they would make is just like Godzilla. I feel like that's just Mecha Godzilla though, isn't it? <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> you're the expert. Here. I mean, but yeah, I guess that would be the closest thing to Godzilla with a gun. Uh, but yeah, so last week, uh, last time we talked about Doctor No. This time we are getting into my realm of expertise, which is the Godzilla franchise. Yeah, and we are going to be talking about the first Godzilla film, um, uh, the 1954 Godzilla film titled. Godzilla. But for the purposes of the conversation going now and forward, I'm going to refer to it as just Gojira, which is the original Japanese uh, um, uh, name for Godzilla mm-hmm. uh, before it made its way over to the States or before it was, I don't know. See, like that, it's always weird with, uh, you know, I don't want to call out the Japanese language, but it's like, it's like, it's, it's kind of hard to be like, it's like, because they call it Godzilla there too sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are the rules, Nick? <laughs> what are the rules? Well, it's it's kind of like, uh, you know, it happens in video games all the time. Nintendo happens, mm-hmm. you know, characters' names get changed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was originally Jumpman, and then it was Mario in the United States, and yeah. now it's Mario. That was everywhere. Godzilla's first name, too, was Jumpman. Yeah, he but does they, have an incredible. Uh, <laughs> they changed jump. it. They changed it because in the first movie he doesn't jump he doesn't that jump much at all, <laughs> so yeah. it wasn't a very good name. Uh, but uh, as we did with James Bond last week, I, I thought we'd talk a little bit about the Godzilla franchise and one of the reasons, uh, kind of, and this may tread a little bit of what we talked about in this one, but why we're talking about Godzilla, uh, because obviously, like we said before, it is one of the longest running film franchises ever, going on to I believe thirty five films of uh of godzilla right i think it's like you know 30 30 original films yeah. and then if you count like other redubbings yeah uh, mm-hmm. like you know the american redub of the original kojira and godzilla i think there's like one or two other of the godzilla films that had a uh, yeah. like a dub like an like a, a dub a separate dub to it in fact one of the inspirations for doing this show i i realized this today was our we have a friend um who you know we were talking about we were going to do the show and then we were like and she was like, well, how many Godzilla movies are there? Like, aren't there like, like, uh, no. And then she was like, how many movie Godzilla movies are there? And I was like, oh, there's like almost 30, like over 30. And she's like, I thought there were only like six of them. Right. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, yes, this there, is exactly what I wanted to There's do. a lot of them. Yeah. yeah. No, that, yeah, was, there's that definitely, was definitely, that was definitely my inspiration for it too. I mean, honestly, it's like when you did, you, cause you a couple years ago before the 2014 uh, Before the American legendary uh, yeah, version, yeah, the, the Gareth Edwards film, you did a full marathon, mm-hmm. which is one of the one of the things I also realized is that we're both going to be going through these marathons, having done previous marathons of our films of expertise. So it'll be interesting to see uh, going forward if anything changes. But I think from then it was really like, wow, there are, there are quite a bit of movies in relation to the Godzilla Cause, name. Because you were very fascinated by the fact that I was such a huge Godzilla fan. In yeah. fact, it, it's some, probably something that up until now a lot of people probably didn't really even know about me because it was one of those things where I was always a fan of it and then you revisit it because now it's back in the zeitgeist with the new American films and everything. Right, yeah. And then, uh, so then going back into it. But the reason, uh, like, I kind of want to talk a little bit about why I was into it so much, which I'm sure you are also uh, uh, curious about. Um, You know, the biggest thing that I love, uh, and this is kind of getting into why I want to do the podcast. We talked a little bit about why you want to do it, why I wanted to do it personally was because I, especially recently I've been into the concept of broad entertainment. Like, you know, there's a lot, you know, the kind of the argument between high art and low art. I like to kind of call it the, um, the difference between broad entertainment and prestige entertainment. Um, and definitely, and 
because high and low art kind of has the connotations of like good and bad, whereas like you have prestige entertainment where it's like prestige pictures and then you have broad entertainment. I would put like things like uh, um, superhero movies or monster movies or, you know, even Star Wars I would put into the broad entertainment spectrum, something that doesn't mean that it doesn't necessarily have something to say. It can actually be very rich with subtext, but overall plays itself very broad and like very accessible to a large group of people. And Godzilla is very interesting because it has definitely become just broad as it's been stretched over its huge filmography. But even with its original film that we're going to take uh, today um, could still be seen as a broad uh, exploration of deeper themes, yeah. and I think that's what's interesting. And the and the biggest thing I'm also interested about it is like it's something that, from a technical standpoint, has just is so imaginative to me. Like the fact of creating a series of films using a guy in a suit, and you know, just like the loopholes of making a guy in a suit feel like a giant dinosaur, and where you take that, where you take that franchise, and in a way that, like we said with the Bond films. Um, have captured the imaginations of just people. I mean, it's still like you can't go anywhere and people don't know who or what Godzilla is. Right. Or there's the concept yeah, of it. Yeah, exactly. Various. It'll be very interesting going forward just for me because one of the things, I guess we'll talk about it in a little bit how we originally got into like or our familiarity with Godzilla as we did with Bond, but just they're kind of thinking about it. It's like one of the things I do know about Godzilla is that a lot of, you know, Godzilla is this representation of nature. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. A lot of the films deal with Godzilla being representation of nature in relation to a specific going on in the world or a specific world event or, you know, an issue like global warming or, or whatever. Or, mm-hmm. Well, no, or I mean, something like that. So it'll be interesting to see going forward kind of how that plays, especially when you're kind of watching it from, you know, in a... A, a modern day perspective and it's what's interesting is like i think that there's two aspects of that you have like the introspective thing about nature and what does it mean and what does it do and what is a relationship with nature but then you also have like oh my god that plane just got sucked up by a tornado and oh those people don't have a home anymore oh how awesome is that like it's like, <laughs> oh, oh yes that is that is the definition of or, awesome you know what i mean it's just like oh like a look at that cow it just got sucked up into a twister like i may be thinking of the movie twister but but you see what i mean like you have because now a lot of broad entertainment has also just been about like natural disasters and Mm -hmm. and that's kind of like an aspect of godzilla where you have the introspective like what does godzilla mean to humanity and then you have the like kind of like what i said with bond last week about like how you always kind of like bond because it's like a cool spy movie by by the way i take back like uh, some of the shade i threw at bond earlier because bond's a cool guy like who doesn't want to be a secret agent and at the same time who doesn't want to see a giant lizard fight other monsters and mm-hmm. destroy cities. I yeah. mean, there's that primal, fun nature, broad nature mm-hmm. of us that I think Godzilla taps into. And that, that's one of the reasons that it interests me so much because it's just really cool, but then also the history of it is really and interesting. just like with the Bond films, how when we're going through them in order, it'll be interesting to see how Bond is portrayed in relation to the era, you know, the nine, like gold, golden eye Bond, 90s Bond is different than Roger Moore early 70s bond and kind of how that relationship with the world it'll also be interesting to see kind of godzilla mm-hmm. as a representation of force of nature kind of how it is in the 50s and what it's representing in the 50s as it changes through the years into like and the 80s boy does it change oh yes does it does it really change so yeah so i think we can go right on into the primary discussion of gojira 
aka Godzilla, um, in 1954, directed by, and um, this is going to be the best part about the Godzilla movies, is pronouncing Japanese names. Yeah. We should have like a like a jingle for that. Get on that right now while I'm trying to pronounce this name. Ishiro Honda. I did it. Where's my jingle? Directed by Ishiro Honda, who I'll have more information of that. Um, one of the quick uh, pieces of information I want to give about the Godzilla films, just as a as a precursor, almost as a table of contents to the Godzilla franchise, is that the Godzilla films have been uh, divvied up into different generations of Godzilla films. Mm -hmm. And I'll get more into detail about what that means in the next time uh, for our next Godzilla episode. But basically we're looking at three, uh, well actually four different um, uh, subsections. We have the Showa series, which was from 1954 to 1975. That's the original era of Godzilla. Then you have the the Heisei series, um, AKA what fans call the Versus series. Um, which was from 1984 to 1995. Then you have the Millennium series, uh, which was from 1999 to 2004. Uh, then you have what people are calling now as the Toho reboot era, which is from last year, 2016, uh, to the present. So that's the movies that they're the Jap- Japan is making now. Yeah. And apparently a lot of fans, and I would consider this too, are putting the American films in their own kind of sub Yeah, no, that, I think like, yeah, I, I've always kind of, discovered or in relation to what i've looked up godzilla before those are kind of spinoffs and Mm -hmm. other stuff are kind of just they're separate so Uh, uh, sorry what were you gonna say well i was gonna say i mean i don't know if we were because when we talked about the bond episode we quickly kind of talked about our previous relationship with with bond yeah yeah yeah. And i guess i would kind of be interested to hear so a little bit more about you know your personal relationship with with oh i mean well i mean like i said i mean it was kind of a little bit in my introduction but it was like it's just one of these things where you kind of get into it because it's just cool i mean i know it kind of sounds lame and it's not very you know uh detailed or um sophisticated to say but i mean it's a giant lizard it's just really cool and it tapped into that broad saturday morning cartoon of me like i've it's interesting for me because in this movie, rewatching this uh, 1954 movie was very interesting because I am, you could call me a bad Godzilla fan because I was never really as interested into this era of Godzilla as much as I was into the uh, 80s, 90s Godzilla, which right. is when it's him fighting monsters. Okay. And, the, and it was a little bit more modern day like again it's not present day but it's about how do you how do you take those modern day effects and still make the guy in a suit and the creatures and the animatronics work right right. in in that way that it's like what's kind of magical about it and i kind of roll my eyes about this with movies nowadays about like oh the tangibility and the practical effects are so magical and that's what makes movies work and movies 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 you've used this voice a couple times this episode i think (laughs) movies movies but your movie guy voice like i you know i'm a big proponent of like going forward with technology and CGI and things like that. But there is something kind of so specific to the Japanese Toho movies and suits and animatronics and the fact that it looks like two action figures kind of hitting with each other. So that was always kind of my history with it. My specifically, my history was when the, uh, American reboot came out, the Roland Emmerich movie. And I was like, Oh yeah, I kind of like Godzilla. And I went to go see Godzilla and I was like, too young at the time to realize like any more nuanced criticisms of it and it was like okay fine whatever and then Godzilla 2000 got a re got a a release in America and I saw a trailer for that and I'm like whoa 
that I want to see. And then mm-hmm. I saw it and it was awesome. And then that's when I just went back right. and like looked at all of them. Yeah. And my, so that was kind of my history. I was thinking it. about, cause it was, I was just thinking about what my introduction to Godzilla would have been. Mm-hmm. And this is like the first thing that came to mind is honestly a hundred percent. Like the concept of Godzilla kind of came from Reptar from Rugrats. Cause that was kind of my first yeah. introduction into kind of this idea of the giant monster movie. Mm-hmm. I felt like it kind of like what you said with Bond. It's just, it was kind of in the, you know, the pop culture is just kind of taken, like you see it like parodied on the Simpsons mm-hmm. and you kind of see, you know, you hear people say like, Oh, the you know American Godzilla movie is bad. And like, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, Which my, we my, will be talking about on this show. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah, of we, course. yeah we will. <laughs> and it was just like, I'm sure at some point, cause I love looking stuff up. I love mm-hmm. just Wikipediaing stuff, especially things with like a really long, long history, history to yeah. it. Yeah. So at some point I probably, just went through the Godzilla movies on Wikipedia and just kind of just looked at them and see what was kind of weird and honest about them. And I saw Mecha Godzilla. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, Which I don't really. It's funny because I don't know any much about. I've never seen any of the <laughs> Mecha Godzilla movies. I've only seen. I was going to say you've four, only seen like, like I've seen four. Well, you've, you've seen the American the the 2014. I've seen uh, 2014. I've seen Biolanti and yeah. Final Wars, which you've showed me. Yeah, and, and now the original. It, well. Before this, I actually saw I saw the American redub. Oh, the oh uh, King of the Monsters, King yeah, of the Monsters. yeah, yeah, which uh, we will talk about. Yeah, um, uh, but that's basically yeah, that was basically kind of it. And then when you did the the stuff for the for the 2014 release, that mm-hmm. was kind of like oh, maybe Godzilla is really interesting and cool, which and also kind of like yeah. So I, I, I'm really excited to kind of get into it. So um, all right, well, I want to talk about the development of this film, getting into uh, 1954's Gojira, Gojira, uh, which was the birth. Uh, which was the birth of um, Godzilla. Um, talking a little bit about the development, Nick. What do you know about the development of Godzilla? Um, you don't know anything, which is what I'm. I'm, I'm going to. It teach was you uh, produced in Japan. Oh wow! Well, case closed. Well, here's the biggest thing about Godzilla: is that Godzilla is a thematic uh, metaphor for nuclear warfare. You may. Kn- this is the first time. I, th- I don't think anybody knows this. <laughs> um, I think that I've just dropped a bombshell. No pun. In- no pun intended. Uh, and I think that we can just wrap up uh, the Bonzilla episode. So next week we're going to be doing another episode. And bye, everybody. No, um, that's, not the, that's not the episode. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's really the, the hidden <laughs> subtext of Godzilla, especially in this first movie, um, which well, okay, it kind of, right. you know, we'll, we'll talk it? about. So, okay. So what's interesting about the development of Godzilla is that the, um, so the Japanese production company, uh, Toho, um, which when I was doing research of it, it was actually interesting because it was a production company that was really big into making a lot of populist Japanese entertainment, but mm-hmm. also, uh, really known for, um, distribute, uh, distributing and, um, distrib- ah, distributing. That's the word. There Congratulations. <laughs> um, distributing, um, like, uh, Kurosawa films and even a studio Ghibli, uh, anime, anime movies. Right. Um, they were in the middle. They were about to produce a movie that was in, that was titled "In the Shadow of Glory," which was supposed to be a Japanese Indonesian uh, co-production um, that was about the aftermath of the Japanese occupation in Indonesia. But be- seems like a heavy subject matter, right? Well, the problem was is that there was a lot of political unrest between the two companies. Naturally, so yeah. So was- especially <laughs> considering again, the subject matter seems for it to be a co-production seems 
the history, like you, you, you'd have a little issues with it. it. It seems like Toho is like they were making movies a little too soon, and we're going to get to that with this movie too. But um, because of the political unrest between the two, uh, it caused a lot of problems with like film, like people filmmakers being denied visas to go into Indonesia and things like that. And right, so, yeah, I can imagine that would be an issue. So uh, the producer, who here's another name, is Tomoyuki Tanaka. Uh, he was he was on his way to the he had a meeting with the Indonesian government to be like oh can we work this out can we work this out um, obviously they couldn't uh, they couldn't work out so on his flight home um, if my research is correct which I believe it is um, he came up with a film in his head that was he was inspired by the 1953 Warner Brothers film The Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms uh, which was a um, Ray Harryhausen effects driven film you may have seen like images of it it's like the giant Com- stop motion Komodo dragon walking through the streets. I think that's oh, the one. Oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I'll, oh, yes, I know that one. Uh-huh. They, they play that at, uh, like, um, Sci Fi Dine at Disney World. I've yeah. seen that trailer before. So he was, uh, he was inspired by a movie with this. So he's like, we got to come up with a movie, which sounds like such like a, like a movie about movies where it's like, well, we can't make this movie happening. And then they're on a plane. It's like, well, we got to make a picture. We got to make a move, a moving picture. Which is not how probably any Japanese person sounds. Um, so Tanaka wrote up an outline and approved and got it approved by an um, by an effects director. Hey, here's another name: A.G. Suburara. <laughs> That was close. Yeah, <laughs> that was close. I'll give it to you. Uh, who and he was a he was a guy who became known as one of the general co-creators of the Godzilla franchise, um, and said and basically gave the approval that says this movie is financially feasible that you can do this. So they put it under the working title of Project G, and the G stands for uh, giants ger- gerbils, <laughs> giant gerbils. So basically, at this point, the film was written based off of a three of, of uh, an older three-year-old outline that basically centered around a giant octopus attacking ships, <laughs> and basically was a fifty-page script that was written in eleven days. <laughs> that, um, uh, yeah, hey, uh, giant octopuses they can octopi. So eventually, the script further got a little bit more finesse by the director and the writer. As they, you do, they locked themselves in a room for three weeks and eventually um, came out with uh, a little bit closer to the movie that we see now. And actually, earlier drafts of the movie included a Godzilla that only came out at night to find food and had a Kong-like interest in women. I'm glad we didn't see that version. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would it would have made even more similarities with the Bond franchise. <laughs> true um and the rewrites actually uh brought forward the mentality of holding back the uh the the monster uh more of like the jaws type effect of like we're not going to show the monster right away which uh, came forward in the rewrites um in designing godzilla um the original conception of godzilla was a whale gorilla hybrid which is actually where Gojira, the name, comes from, ah. because Gojira is a combo between whale and gorilla. Hmm. Um, but that would have been an interesting design to to go with, right? Because again, it, you kind of have that King Kong connection with the, the gorilla part, but making it also a whale. Yeah, like well, the problem was kind of imagine it like in Moana when like the rock just goes shark yeah. head, <laughs> yeah. and basically I just remember, like imagine like yes. the 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 gorilla legs and like the whale head, and yes. just like him just like I'm. Gojira, I guess. <laughs> I wanted to talk too. He's like, "Hello, Japan. I'm Gojira." <laughs> Just make it whale sound. He sounds like Dory from Finding Nemo. <laughs> Hello, 
Japan. <laughs> Just breathe the fire out of his thing. Um, Ellen DeGeneres is <laughs> Godzilla. Well, Gojira. With the, I guess, yeah. So they ended up going with the more de- dinosaur design because rumors had it that the design was probably a little bit too mammalian, as you know, because yeah. it's like two mammals put together. And actually, forget, a whale is a mammal. There was a rumor that the head would have had the shape of a mushroom cloud. That's if if <laughs> it's more on the nose than what's in the movie already, and all the, what's in the movie already is pretty on the nose. So uh, yeah, um, I don't think that one would have survived a couple movies. Well, originally, uh, the effects were wanted to be achieved in the Ray Harryhausen style of making it stop motion, but with the effects team on hand and with the uh, uh, resources that the production had, it would have just taken like I think close to. And the, again, this is really a rumor. A little bit of some of this information was a little bit hard to actually pinpoint down, but it would have essentially taken years. And I've seen reports of like, if we did this stop motion, it would have taken like seven years just to like do the creature Jeez, effects. That's uh, that's like boyhood. <laughs> Can you imagine a Godzilla boyhood? <laughs> One time he was a, he was just a regular dinosaur, and. <laughs> And then eventually, in nuclear warfare, mutated him into Godzilla. But will he find love? <laughs> Can Patricia Arquette still play his mother? <laughs> he plays mommy Godzilla. Um, so what's funny, though, is that so now we know as Godzilla um, as traditionally a guy in a suit mm-hmm. is how the effect of Godzilla is normally played. And what I found interesting is like that was begrudgingly the solution. Like... Um, as we see in the movie that eventually what they ended up with was a guy in a suit and hand puppets mm-hmm. for a lot of the close-ups that we see in the movie. But it's just interesting that it was like, oh, fine, we'll use the suit. And that has kind of become a staple on how all the monsters are done or most uh, uh, kaiju uh, creatures are done. And uh, what they did is they – and you may have you, – you may know a little bit about this is that they used um, – hand-drawn uh, frame-by-frames for the dorsal fins lighting up oh, really? in animation for that. Oh, that's cool. Um, so a lot, a lot of work went into this. Um, yeah, it seems like they, they, went all, they went all over the uh, all over the map. The man in the suit, um, here's another name, is Haro Nakajima, um, and he portrayed Godzilla in this film. Very well, I think, too, and we'll get to why. I mean, maybe I, I'm a little bit more of like, it's like, oh, how does Godzilla, how did the effects actually come across in this movie? Um, let's see. Oh, and another big thing about this movie is that it was filmed on the Toho lot and uh, Toho made a deal with the Japan Self-Defense Forces to film with the military. Um, which is weird because a lot of the military in the movie and so it just, it's just it's a lot of like, uh, like Driving RC around. cars. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, but there, but there is actually a lot of military uh, footage in the movie and there's a, definitely a lot of. Um, which is very interesting. And again, I don't want to leap too much into the movie now, but a lot of kind of like pro-military, but also not in a very, uh, for lack of a better term, whorish way, I, I find. Um, whorish? Whorish. Like, you know, they don't like whore, like, like whore themselves out. Where oh, it's like, okay. Yeah. I was trying to figure out what you meant. Like, I didn't know. If, I mean, I don't think there was a dude named Horace in that movie. <laughs> um, the main Godzilla, and finally the main Godzilla theme uh, by Akira uh Ifukube, Ifukube, I think his name is. Yeah, Akira Ifukube was a um, uh, did the amazing theme for Godzilla, um, which I think, and it's interesting watching it because the theme is like one of those things where it's like, oh, you feel like maybe there's a lot of this movie where you think a lot of the stuff 
about the iconic nature of the Godzilla character came later, as what happens with most franchises. Yeah. But right here, it's like, nope, it's a giant lizard. He destroys towns. The theme is all there. Well, and the it theme is, is great. There's a couple things about it. First of all, like I was surprised because like when I think of the Godzilla theme, mm-hmm. I think of that kind of oh, intro. Like, like the bum, 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 bum. Right, yeah. That, and that's not present in this movie. Not really. It's more not it's, as much. No, no. It's not like that's not like the big. It's thing. right at the beginning, though. It's like kind of is, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, the, but the biggest part is like the dun 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 dun, which I like dun, 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 I, is a really dun, 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 good dun, dun, theme. Yeah, but like I just didn't really realize like that was the actual theme for Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Like you just kind of think it's like that, like the opening of our of our intro is like that's what you kind of imagine. Um. Yeah, I, that's a. Uh, um. That's what I thought a couple quick things I want to say before we wrap up into what the into our thoughts on the actual movie is some information about the because this was uh, stuff that I actually learned uh, really a lot about was the director himself Ashira Honda. Um, so Ashira Honda was a guy. Uh, he was well, he was a guy. He, he was, was a, a dude. Film. He dude. was a dude, man. Dude, uh, he bruh. was he was a um, he was a filmmaker who had a he had an extensive. Uh, lifelong friendship and collaboration with uh, Akira Kurosawa, who uh, he actually started out as uh, his assistant, and uh, they became friends that way and then collaborators that way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He assen- he essentially made his... He became known for making kaiju movies and giant monster movies. Now, that's, that's a... I guess, like... Was God's was the concept of kaiju and and monster movies like in Japan? Like, was it like a previously like established thing? Like, I yeah, know they would have yeah. had like they probably would have had like King Kong over there or something yeah. like that. But like, is that well, like the, is this like kind of a tradition within Japanese cinema more so? It definitely, I think Godzilla, Toho's Godzilla, I think really kicked off the craze of it. I, mm-hmm. I, I would think, but the concept of like giant monsters was always just something. That I mean, there had been movies before that had did it, okay. like especially in America. I mean, Japan had some movies, but in terms of like making like the definitive like kaiju like subgenre, right, like okay. it, it really started with Godzilla, and that actually surprised. It didn't surprise me, but what I found interesting is that this was also not his only Godzilla f- film. Um, also, he had uh, worked extensively on documentaries about like war and, and things like that. So he had a war. He was actually a prisoner of war, really, <laughs> which is what I found out. So he has a war. A he has war, a war history. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he had actually he's actually responsible for other kaiju movies too. Um, he had um, he directed Mothra and mm-hmm. uh, Rodan, which are names that are going to be very uh, familiar as we continue on with the Godzilla franchise. Um, and actually had also gone on to work on various uh, Japanese science fiction TV shows, uh, Return of Ultraman, Mirror Man, and Zone Fighter. I know Ultraman. Yeah, and, yeah. and so he he, he uh, directed episodes for that. Um, but the biggest thing I wanted to mention, and I found this, this is when you, you're going to hear this, and you're going to know this is a guy after my own heart, uh, is that um, one of his most memorable quotes about making monster movies is that he says, monsters are born too tall, too strong, too heavy. That's their tragedy. He And this is what he was talking about when he was making Rodan. And essentially, basically what he was trying to say is this statement um, alone gave a lot of fans the impression that his intent was to give all kaiju a distinct personality based off that comment. So I think basically why it was 
really resonated with me is like here's a guy who is not just making like oh just monster movies just for the sake of monster movies actually he's trying to find like the deeper a pathos to yeah, it the pathos of yeah the character of right. what Godzilla or when we get to Mothra and Rodan I'm sure we'll, we'll kind of talk about those characters so a guy who kind of sees monsters as like oh they have like this pain and tragedy behind them and then as he made Mothra Rodan and went on to do other Godzilla movies uh you could tell this was a guy who was going to not just make just a series of monsters, but monsters that are unique and uh, have a different thing. And when you look at movies like Mothra and Rodan, they kind of do have like a little bit of a personality and a tragedy going on. Like, mm-hmm. like not to get too much into those movies, but Mothra is like, you know, going through like the cycles of life and Rodan, uh, like the, the ending of Rodan is that Rodan dives into a uh, volcano because its uh, heart is broken. <laughs> oh, whoa. <laughs> so okay. um, <laughs> when we ever talk about Rodan, we'll I talk will, a little bit about I will be looking that. forward to that day. Um, and uh, Guillermo del Toro, del Toro actually uh, gave a dedication to Honda in Pacific Rim, oh. which uh, say what you will about Pacific Rim, I actually think gets a little bit of uh, kaiju things right. Okay. I think it's Kaiju things. Yeah. Um, okay, so that is the development of Godzilla. Do you have any questions for me? Do you have any questions? I think uh, I, I, asked, I asked my one question, really. Yeah. All right, so uh, I think it's time to talk about the actual movie. So uh, we are going to take a quick break, maybe even quicker than last time. Maybe yeah. not. Maybe we will. I Who knows? You, th- you should probably just still put a Bond quote in between. <laughs> Boo, no. It's Godzilla week this week. So when we come back, we're going to talk about Gojira 1954. Here in Tokyo, time has been turned back two million years. This is my report as it happens. A prehistoric monster the Japanese call Godzilla has just walked out of Tokyo Bay. And we're back. Yes. I I, I, got to think of something clever to say. Like, I'll just, maybe I'll just be like, We'll be back. <laughs> oh, I think I think that's the wrong franchise. No, we are back. We are back. <laughs> they say that somewhere. Somebody I think says he says that. that in the third one, right? I'm back. <laughs> no, because it, it, she'll be back. <laughs> no, no, no. But then he comes back and he's like, I'm back. Yeah. That's for our next one. Uh, Termin- uh, Terminators and uh, Aliens. That's probably a sequel thing. We could just probably do like mini franchises. Terminator I mean, neither, and AVP. Neither one of us are really an expert on either one, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'll take the Terminator and you'll take the alien stuff. <laughs> you'll do the research. Oh, right, right. Um, and we're going to watch the Sarah Connor Chronicles too. Uh, that's actually not a bad show. But anyway, we're talking about Godzilla today. Let's talk about Godzilla. We're talking about Gojira 1954. Nick, you just watched this movie last night. And what's interesting about this movie is that, as I said, I was admittedly... When I originally watched uh, Gojira, like Gojira was a movie that is very obligatory almost. Like you have to watch it as a Godzilla fan. It's the original Godzilla and Mm -hmm. it has been critically acclaimed over the years. And it was one of those things when I originally watched it, I was like, yeah, but I kind of like Godzilla fighting other monsters. So this was actually one of those movies that I was never a huge, um, uh, you kind I just kind of put it up there for an obligatory sake, Mm -hmm. but this time watching it, it was really interesting because I think I actually warmed up to the movie a little bit. I actually think I dug the movie a little bit. I pretty much dug it. <laughs> um, Nick, what's the movie about? And I'm asking you because I left my notes on my desk and I'm about to go get them real quick because I'm a professional. All right. So uh, Gojira from 1954 uh, starts off with 
mysterious destruction of three straight boats in the seas off the coast of, I believe it's uh, Odo Island. Uh, that might be it. And uh, so then uh, they're trying to figure out what causes all the destruction, what keeps uh, being their boats. And eventually they discover that a, a giant monster uh, that they call Gojira uh, is existing in the sea and is uh, causing havoc and they must find a way to stop it. What I find very funny about this movie is that right off the bat, it's not entirely it's not entirely clear like how like uh like how common the knowledge of Godzilla is <laughs> cuz there's some people who are well, just like well it's clear actually no okay well, so I mean cuz from what I gathered yeah. the way that they talked about it, or at least the how the subtitles translated it because that is going to be one of the more interesting things about this movie is that most of the films in the Godzilla franchise are in Japanese so it'll be interesting to kind of go through it from that perspective too and kind of taking in what is essentially foreign films and and, 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 and foreign styles Uh, but what I understand it should also be noted that yeah we are watching these in their original uh, we're watching these uh, subtitled and not dubbed yes um, because it's really easy because I was just looking at some of the quotes as we were watching the movie, yeah. and I'm like, if that was dubbed, we probably would have just tore this thing apart. Yeah, because <laughs> there's um, just some lines. In no, this movie. but from what I gathered, I thought was was what one of the things I found really interesting about it is that like the the people who say like it's Godzilla, it wasn't necessarily that it was like this Godzilla, like they had seen this before. Right, it was right. more of a legend of the island. Yeah, it was more because one of the men talked about how they used to uh, sacrifice like a woman to like appease like you know gojira and like they had the ceremonial dance and it wasn't necessarily like oh like this giant monster lizard it was just kind of like this kind of mythical god being right they just had to appease and then that's kind of how the name stuck so i thought that was a very interesting twist that being that being said the guy who is uh, spouting all of this uh you can tell they do a good job of why nobody believe him because he's kind of got like a racist grandpa vibe to him like he shows up like everybody's like well there's no more fish like where'd all the fish go and this guy comes up he's like well it better it's like it's probably godzilla and then he's like everybody's like quiet you crazy old man and his quote is hey you better take godzilla seriously or i'll feed you crazy old cows to godzilla and it's like, why say that? And then the next scene, there are actual cows. So it's like, right. why not do the cows? But the way he says it, he's like, it's like, well, it's like, you know, we used to just give like a virgin girl to Godzilla just to appease him. But now we have to settle for this dance. Like, he's very, indi- <laughs> he's very indignant about it. Like, yeah, I'm I mean, like, he's very no. much like, oh, like, why can't we do it my way? <laughs> like, but, um, but they, maybe that's a good, maybe that's actually a genius because it like makes it like, um, why nobody would believe in him? <laughs> well, I thought because I thought it was like with the with with Bond, I knew that we were like going in like in the middle of Bond's career. But that's what I found like interesting is that there's already like it's not it, this is ends up being a movie where everybody's like introduced to Godzilla, like the world is introduced to Godzilla. But the fact that there are that like that kind of that Japanese mythology to mm-hmm. it and just kind of that that aura around it, I think makes it really interesting. That even like Godzilla, it's like it's not something new. It's something that's kind of could have existed for right, a little right. bit of time. And so we didn't mention this beforehand, but I think because it, it's much more within the movie is that this movie was essentially um, a, like we said before, a metaphor and an allegory for the, um, for nuclear warfare. And he, you say and, metaphor. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's what I say. That's the, that's the intention. What I mean is, is that it hits you like an atom bomb. <laughs> 
in that like there's no way that you can't watch the movie and be like, well, I think I think I think it's about the political unrest during this time. No, it's about nuclear warfare. I mean, I mean there <laughs> is a little political, bit, yeah, political yeah. unrest and stuff. But no, but that's that's what I also found very fascinating when watching this is that like I knew that this first Godzilla film especially is Godzilla is a representation of the hydrogen bombs mm-hmm. that, you know, decimated Japan during World War II. Mm-hmm. What I didn't realize is that basically they are mentioned alongside Godzilla, that they yeah. continually compare and contrast and and you know, again, that that very bluntness and the obviousness of like this is what this means. And which and, still made for a very effective kind of analysis and look into that kind of mindset of Japan as a culture at mm-hmm. the time and, 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 and that kind of the reaction to it uh, in one sense. Because in another sense, a lot of people in this movie are kind of very casual <laughs> about the fact I that have... there's a giant lizard walking around the earth. Yeah, I I have the one girl where she was just like oh, they're on like the train. Yeah, right? they're on the train, and this one woman's like it's like it's like nuclear it's like nuclear warfare, political unrest, and now this Godzilla thing on top of every of all. I know, of it. and then and then she's also like, oh man, I was in Nagasaki during the like she's so casual, like man, I was in Nagasaki during like you know during the bombing, and like man, this is crazy. But also, it's just like everybody else is just kind of like like. There's someone who's like she. She said it as if like she's like, oh man, like I was there. He's like, I was there on the hottest day of the summer. Yeah, like, exactly. Just, how, no, the, and then there's but, like you know, like there's a dude that like just takes a picture of Godzilla when like he first appears, and it's just like that clear like like who took a picture? Like why take a picture? Yeah, yeah. And then and then there's just other people just like when they're like in that, in that, the government buildings and stuff, and they're like discussing this and they're discussing what to do. Everybody's just like, oh man, like. There's, there's a really a cool. Here, there's I actually guess. a really cool scene in here after doing a research where there is a little bit. You know what? Because as much as I will make fun of, like it's definitely like so clear that it's like oh, like like nuclear warfare is bad, and like mm-hmm. it's just so clear that that's what they're getting at. But it also kind of works in a sense because. And that's what I mean from the broad entertainment aspect of it, because there's actually a lot of things now watching it and doing some research that's very interesting. Like there, there is a little bit of mention of like, well, we 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 can't go public with this Godzilla thing because we already are like kind of like have uneasy alliances with the rest of the world and we don't want to bring like bad attention to us saying like a giant that we may have done tests that like made or like there were uh, nuclear tests that made a giant lizard right and i just thought that was interesting because this movie it, production was born out of they couldn't do another movie because of political unrest right so i just thought like that and that feeds into the movie and then even more so as you get into the nuclear warfare i think there's like certain things like the whole like the so the the zoologist who wants to like he says like we should study Godzilla to like come up with a uh, like a deterrent for nuclear warfare. I thought like that bit was a little bit unsatisfying because it's just kind of like an argument thrown in there for the sake of having it. But right, it's like you know it, again it is like the first one, but that's like kind of the argument you have in every one of these right. giant like, but, like monster attack movies is like we got to study or like you know that sort of thing it's but what Jurassic I th- Park or whatever too. but what I think is interesting about it and where I think it succeeds is that the the fact that you do believe the two opposing points of view and to a certain point where both of them are right and in a legitimate I think in a legitimate way because it's easy to be like oh have the argument but one guy's clearly right and one guy's clearly wrong 
Like, it's a little bit clear because they probably should just kill Godzilla because it's destroying everything. Yeah. But the yeah. argument between the old man and the future maybe son-in-law or whatever, there's like a weird like romance thing. There's in the a movie. weird love triangle thing because it's like there's like the guy from the shipping company. Right. And then like the girl who's the daughter of like the zoologist. And I, then and then she's engaged to this scientist, angsty scientist dude with an eye so, patch. Have you ever seen a more emo guy in a movie? There's a scene in here where he, as soon as the guy leaves, he goes to sit in his chair and then goes to the radio and turns on like orchestral music and just sits there. And to be clear, <laughs> he also has an eye patch. There's an awesome scene where he's wearing sunglasses over his face and you can still see the eye patch. He's a badass. Sarah, um, an angsty, angsty man. Sarazawa, um, who is uh, also the name of uh, Ken Watanabe's character in the uh, newest Godzilla. Um, but uh, but I do think that when it comes down to like the people arguing, I do find like that they actually uh, um, they frame it in a very interesting way. In in that, uh, like I said, like both parties are coming at it from a. Um, from an interesting point of view and from a passionate point of view. And then also when you get into the Dr. Sarazawa bit where it gets, I think it actually gets uh, very obvious. The allegory becomes very obvious for creating a weapon that could destroy or that could cause greater ramifications for mankind. Uh, that he has the oxygen destroyer, which uh, de-skins. Uh, <laughs> I do want to talk about that very quickly. Yeah, okay, <laughs> But they, oh, can I, let me finish my point real quick. Okay, yeah. yeah, but I, I find that very interesting, and I felt like that was the most effective because I thought that the movie is actually uh, constructed really well in a way because they're talking about this really big philosophical point of view that is like valid concern, but also framing in a way it's like, yeah, but we need to fight a giant lizard right now. Like, yeah. And I just found that very interesting and thoughtful and fascinating and why I think this movie is a little bit deeper um, with within the subtext of it, um, and I thought I thought that was very effective. Yeah. So about the uh, the oxygen destroyer. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I just want to point out that water is made of H two O, right? Hydrogen, two hydrogen, oxygen. When you take the oxygen out of water, you're just left with hydrogen, <laughs> and that's what got him in trouble in the first place. So, really? but no, but it, it's it's really interesting. It was really interesting to kind of see the, you know, let's see, let's see the first Godzilla film, and it, it's differences as as a kind of standalone motion picture, um, partially because for one thing. Um, I think that uh, the the film builds like a really great sympathy for its basically world. Like you have that whole sequence. Uh, I think we'll talk about it in a little bit more when we talk about the actual Godzilla character. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like post Godzilla's like major destruction of Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it, why, you know, while we're on that part, you want to talk about a little bit about that because yeah, I guess I guess we could talk about that and then talk about like the that's like a major set piece in the movie that is, is like where huge, it's really very like, long. Yeah. destruction sequence yeah which i think and it's funny because so you see this is where you see like the atomic breath and that's mostly done from the puppet point of view mm-hmm. i actually really like the stuff uh with the guy in the suit because there's something a little bit uneasy about this giant lizard 
walking around in a very human way and having very like human like ways of movement and like right. picking up a bridge and tearing I would agree, it apart. Like, it's, I think it's, it all works. I think the idea is like because when you see like stop motion, mm-hmm. like it's you know, I mean, it's still clearly a guy in a suit, but there's also that sort of thing like when you see like King Kong. You're right, exactly. Like the original King Kong. Like the, King, the original King Kong is awesome. Like it's really good. But there are points when you just look at that, it's like it's stop motion. It's so clearly like old style, mm-hmm. you know, Harryhausen style stop motion, which isn't a bad thing, but it just kind of... <laughs> also, I wrote down in this scene that Godzilla's footsteps are so strong that apparently people hear footsteps when he's swimming around in the ocean. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's a scene where you hear the footsteps, but he's not out of the ocean. Right. Because like, like, isn't that like they're on a cruise ship? Yeah, they're on a cruise. Like, which is why, like, yeah. at the same time, like, I know you're not telling anybody, like, but you've lost, like, they're, 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 I think there's a thing where it's like they've lost, like, 17 boats or something yeah. like that. It's like, you better, like, just be also able, during the- come up with an excuse, but stop sending boats out there. Like, you don't... <laughs> If there are people enjoying a cruise, just say like, oh, like uh, the the cruise motor ran out of gas. (laughs) Like, here, enjoy a free meal somewhere. Like, don't send people out on the ocean. It's not safe. Um, And I also wrote down that the reporter in this movie gives uh, the Hindenburg guy a run for his money. Oh yeah, like, no, because he's like he's like, well, I guess this is the end, folks. Like this like, Godzilla, he's like on a tower, and Godzilla's approaching, and he's just like, he's coming now. Death is upon its door. Like he's like hellfire and gold. He, he leaves a trail of hellfire around him. Will the world crumble beneath the heel of and then Godzilla? Just he's about to die, but he, he's not like panicked. He's like, well, this is the end, folks. <laughs> he really is. Again, like, the casual nature of coming, like everybody's reaction to Godzilla. He's coming right towards me. I I'm looking at him three feet away, folks. This is the end for me. <laughs> it's just he just seems so. But the destruction, happy. I think, is like pretty effective for like what they're doing in terms of like you know a guy in a suit and models. Like yeah, they I, really I, just there's, there's a really there's confronting effect of like just the skyline just filled with flame. Yeah, I think really works. That was effective. I do think that there's this one shot of like a clearly model train just running through. oh it running into his foot yeah it's like it's like the thing it's like it's just like it's clearly the other stuff it's like it's you know it's still all special effects and you kind of buy into it mm-hmm. just again like you see them just destroying buildings and setting things on fire but like yeah that one model train i was just like oh man that's a really good looking model train like it's clearly <laughs> a model train like it's clearly the thing that like you have a christmas going around the tree but you also have the uh, oh one of my favorite lines in the movie is like he was baptized in the fire of the H bomb that's an awesome line yeah. uh, but then you also have the famous uh, prayer uh, which was scene. which, which yeah. was I was about to talk about because yeah. during yeah. the destruction of Tokyo you see like a woman and her child being like oh we're gonna join daddy yeah now. what was that all about <laughs> I was like, <laughs> <And> whoa <laughs> it gets to that thing that I've liked it like compared to a more recent film like the Avengers like really kind of honing in on like what it feels like and like that idea of people in panic. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was effective. And then you have yes, the uh, the letter the, the the pray scene, which is like a like very two thousand girls, like, yeah. uh, doing like this big prayer and like the it's kind of going around uh, to different people and just kind of into hospitals and re- people reuniting and and kind of that last uh, you know last ditch effort of like we need to do something here. Mm-hmm. And again, in in in, in the context, especially it's it is a very moving sequence, and it very much reminds me of. A lot of really good, like other Japanese cinema I've seen, like Kurosawa and mm-hmm. Rashomon, and all that kind of great stuff from Japan in the era. And it really, it, and especially in the context of the H bomb and 
the effect that that had on Japanese culture and the Japanese people. That's a very powerful sequence. Mm-hmm. And I was and then a also, surprised but, that like, but then it moved also, me. But what's also much. genius about that scene is that it's garnering that sympathy during an argument to convince a guy to basically unleash like a potentially equally dangerous weapon right, into yeah. the world. And I just find that dichotomy because again, like, and this may not have been clear, but at this point they're trying to get Dr. Sarazawa to use this grand oxygen destroyer weapon against Godzilla. And he's like, well, if I use it, then America will, well, not America, but the world will know about it. And then they'll misuse that. And um, the fact that all this sympathy is garnered to like have him, uh, reveal this weapon to the world and then eventually like he sacrifices himself so the secret dies with him um and then, and then to the end he's like where the one guy he's like well if we keep on using nuclear weapons maybe godzilla and maybe another godzilla will come about and we're like and at that point we're like yeah i think we know what this movie's about yeah <laughs> um um but yeah so like overall so like uh what would what, you what'd you think of it i i would say like i think when i first watched this movie because i'm so used to uh, Godzilla fighting monsters, uh, Godzilla, and I and that's still my preferred Godzilla. But it it was kind of hard watching that and being like and accepting a lot of like the deeper subtext of it and doing some research and just being kind of like a little bit more um, older. I don't want to say wiser. Just kind of rewatching it again now, and especially like there is something about we watched the Criterion uh, Collection version, which is like the refurbished, like closest to original Godzilla that mm-hmm. you can get. And it was just kind of also cool to watch it in that format too. Yeah, I mean, I felt that is it's it's very hard for me to kind of almost put myself in the context with this because I've seen so few Godzilla. Because mm-hmm. like when we were ta- when we talk about the Bond movies, like for me, it's like oh, I know like where this automatically ranks or if it rises or it lowers because I'm so familiar with Godzilla. It's like this was a really rises. good this was a really good movie that I think had like the occasional like mi- li- little dip in in kind of. Mm-hmm. like pacing at some points yeah uh and especially like i i felt like it kind of had a little bit of an anti-climax ending which you you kind of have to just kind of ends yeah, yeah it, it yeah. kind of what you kind of do in these big monster movies sometimes like the thing about like you can't have it like king kong because the whole thing about king kong it's like oh you have the whole thing on you know the ends and the empire state building and he falls i, and I think a little bit of, of also that is like the effects of it too because the the killing of godzilla is a little bit like not as well, no, because because basically, cause, and it's also like the like the oxygen destroyer is basically just bubbles, yeah. Like, and just so it's just <laughs> the like they because the end of the movie is like they go down in the ocean, yeah, and they put down the the oxygen destroyer, and I think one of them sacrifices himself. Yeah, Sarazawa yeah. sacrifice because because he wants the secret to die with him, and then the other guy is like, well, I guess it was oxygen that killed the beast. Yes, that is the line. <laughs> um, that would have been the perfect line, though. Uh, also, by the way, uh, this will probably be the most you care about a human character for a while in a Godzilla movie. <laughs> I may, I won't promise that, but right. I, um, I think that may be the case. But it was just like he dies, and then Godzilla's just like, "Oh, I can't breathe oxygen because apparently, you know, all the oxygen's destroyed." Yeah. And then they're basically like, "Well, it dissolves yeah. his skin, so he's basically just a skeleton." Okay. Is what happens? Yeah, yeah, because it it like takes it like, but also it's like you can't breathe without oxygen. Yeah, well, I, I it's like you know it's comic book science it's comic where book it's science. like it, it it liquefies all like the 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 matter or whatever. Um, um just we gotta l- talk about the aftermath real quick. So let's. Yeah, so I just yeah. had a couple of notes that I just want to get through real quick. Mm-hmm. One is there were a lot of roaring in this movie. Mm-hmm. The movie just opens like the opening credits is just like lots of just the kind of classic roar which awesome. again is like that thing like you don't think that roar is as iconic as it is but it's so iconic right away you know what the roar is right 
No, not really. It's uh, if I remember correctly, and I'll have to confirm this for the next episode. But it's rubbing a glove on a uh, cello string. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to mention there was that one guy that liked that when they were investigating on the island, like trying to figure out exactly what Godzilla was. Yeah. There was this one guy whose job was to tell everybody, "Stand back, it's dangerous." Like mm-hmm. he did it at least three times that I thought was amusing. And I want to, I want to <laughs> quickly say one more thing. <laughs> Like, that just reminded me of when they find the trilobite, yeah. and the guy was like giving his, his thing about like dinosaurs, and he's like, "It's like here's a picture of the brontosaurus and other dinosaurs." <laughs> <laughs> yes. Who chooses the brontosaurus as their first? And then like, and then all the other weirdos. <laughs> oh yeah, all these other things. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. In uh, in the Doctor No episode, you called a task. Uh, the uh, James Bond crew for just putting that theme wherever they want. Yeah. Yeah. They play the Godzilla theme like the exact same thing over and over and over again. <laughs> no, no. Whether or not it's like picture, <laughs> it, like they play it in the context of the military driving and Godzilla well, attacking. No, no, they play that, and I agree with you, but it's the other theme. It's the other weird military theme where it's like. Like I oh, well, man, they play I'm, both because there's yeah. that, there's the, the one where they're it's preparing. Really only the no, two themes. It's like they 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 play it like they play the main theme like when like the military is like preparing to yeah. like take on the Godzilla, and then they also play like again during the Tokyo scene. It's also like during the first appearance of God, or like one of the first appearances of Godzilla. Like they both of both of these movies play their like overplay. Well, their theme you know a what? Bit. But this one is like it's a dinosaur destroying the city. Like it's not him. It's not like Godzilla walking to put his coat up. <laughs> Godzilla walking through the airport. Yeah. <laughs> okay. um, all right, let's uh, that's about- all I had. I like the movie. Let's go to the aftermath. All right, so the aftermath is, so basically this movie did not make a lot of money and was not received well in Japan. Really? Uh, because just that's as surprising. we were- Oh no! I mean, just because, and it really comes down to a simple thing. Just as we were talking about the the Indonesian co-production probably being made a little too soon. This was considered to be made way too soon after the tragedies of Nagasaki and Hiroshima. And Hiroshima. Oh, oh man! Mean, they were the Japanese people were like, "Whoa, boy!" It's like, no, and I, and calm I mean, down. I don't here. mean to laugh about that, but it, what what I do laugh about it is like it was this major Japanese company that or that or Japanese production that when it came out, the biggest criticism of it was like, "You're it's insensitive and you're, stuff like you, that." It's like not for nothing, but you're mocking this huge tragedy by putting a giant lizard in it like that was essentially the the reception of, of the movie and i have um and it was a little bit hard to find actual uh uh reviews of the time especially right. then yeah. but i got some through how honda reacted to the reception of the movie uh that essentially he felt so bad that his crew was associated with what was received as a piece of junk. Right. <laughs> yeah. So he was one of those people who's like, oh man, I feel really bad that nobody. Because like, everybody movie. worked hard on this. Yeah, exactly. And stuff like that. Okay. And he, and according to him, heard a review that said the movie was absurd because such monsters do not exist. <laughs> There's oh a- boy, that that's that that uh that hits a little bit closer to like the modern day yeah. film review. That uh I mean, so it goes to show you. When it comes to suspension of disbelief, there's always got to be an asshole. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it many people just felt it was way too exploitative of the atom bomb devastation. Um, uh, of that year, though, it was when it was released. It was the eighth best attended film in Japan that year, and to this day is the second most attended Godzilla film in Japan behind King Kong versus Godzilla. Um, and it was actually nominated for two Japanese movie association awards, uh, one for special effects, which it won, and the other for best picture, 
um, <clears throat> which it lost to Seven Samurai. Isn't that funny? That's a Kurosawa movie. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> Seven Samurai. Uh, it's, it's so a, eventually, it's a movie people like. So eventually, in 1956, it was re-released in America under the title "Godzilla: King of the Monsters." Uh, the film was re-edited with uh, scenes that replaced um, certain scenes with the American actor Raymond Burr uh, for the purpose of uh, ex- basically uh, American exposition to like right, explain yeah. to Americans what was going on. Mm-hmm. We here in America received it way better, and Honda actually attributes that our reception to the movie because. I think what what eventually happened because Japan eventually caught on to like oh this movie is actually really good yeah it was just the too soon nature of why they originally went through it and we'll go on to I guess in our next Godzilla episode is wh- why they ended up making a sequel in the first place because eventually people warmed up to it but uh, the most recent uh, critical acclaim to it really came over time like this was like yeah. really cult like eventually in two thousand four. With uh, they re-released uh, Godzilla um, for for an anniversary, and this was one of the first times that there was a major uh, re-release of the original Gojira, not like Godzilla King of the Monsters, not the American edited version. Like this is when more the most people were starting to be like, this is what the original vision of the movie was, and it was just critical acclaim all over the place. And I think in now that this is when the modern sensibilities of this original Godzilla movie is great. Um, some quotes that I pulled is, um, Owen Gleiberman of Entertainment Weekly, Godzilla is pop culture's grandest symbol of nuclear apocalypse. Uh, he is also the primordial spirit of Japanese aggression turned with something like fate against itself. Um, so... That was a positive review. Yeah, uh, sounds like it. Luke Y. Thompson of the Dallas Observer, the 1954 Japanese uh, cut is shot like a classic film noir, which I which I, I pulled that because I was like, I guess that is kind of true. Yeah, like it kind of has that feel it to it. It kind of has that feel and kind of the, the darkness to it. And yeah. No, yeah. Just, it, Especially it, because there's a lot of scenes with Godzilla walking around that are just quiet. It, like, uh, it distinctly lacks a Humphrey Bogart, though. <laughs> Uh, the echoes of World War II we'll are very Tokyo. The echoes of World War II are very strong, and the devastation wrought by Godzilla is not sugarcoated, um, which I agree with. Um, he also um, says that the buildup is a little bit slow by today's standards, but it works. Um, but Roger Ebert was a little bit more mixed on the movie um, with the original uh, King of the Monsters uh, American edit. But once this version came out, he's still a little bit mixed, but says the movie is an important one, and if properly decoded, is the Fahrenheit 9-11 of its time, but also went on to criticize the dated effects, calling them not even state-of-the-art for their time. Well, I guess I could see that, because like, if, even if you... I mean, it'll be, it'd be, it's interesting to kind of compare it to like our requisite American monster movie, which is King Kong, mm-hmm. and kind of how those effects looked in 1933 right. and kind of maybe the correlation between like what people think. Cause because the King Kong in that movie wasn't really a suit. It was all like mostly stop motion. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and what's interesting about King Kong is King Kong is an interesting movie, even when remade. I mean, the original is like this too, where it's very much about like, it's, it's almost like the exploitation of discovery. It's yeah. kind of has that colonial, nature to it about like going into like a native land and bringing something back which is kind of messed up that that, that, that's celebrated but also is kind of like showing like oh how that can go bad which 
also in our American context is not the greatest message about it. Whereas like Godzilla is so specific. It's so specific yeah. to that culture. And yeah. and I thought that the Japanese aggression line too is very interesting because I can also see that reading into the movie is that kind of the sins of Japan in World War Two kind of coming back to haunt it. Right, right. And, and that and sort of aspect of it. It's almost like, and I don't want to speak for anybody, and maybe I'm out of place for saying this, but what's interesting about just the, I'm only speaking about the production of this movie, it almost seems like a very odd, like, yeah, we're going to own this tragedy that happened to us. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is very bold. Yeah, it's, it's very bold, yeah. Because well, and also very Japanese in a lot of ways. Right. Like, you know, they're, they're, that kind of culture, I think, really Well, because it would be easy to make on, Godzilla, sort of imagine a version of Godzilla where it's like, it's like, uh, oh, like an enemy brought down Godzilla on us. Like right. it's very much right. like very progressive in the way where it's not like victim blaming themselves, but in the way of like, let's just take ourselves. Like our own tested it. Yeah. And, let, but because basically it's like, let's just take our own, the political stuff out of it and just be like, here are the dangers of nuclear warfare, <laughs> essentially. Um, and again, like, I think it works because it's, like I said, the broadness, uh, mixed in with the subtext. Um, and then as, and as we will see, the film was popular enough to spawn 27 Toho sequels, three American, uh, re-pre-productions. So, you know, like something similar to Godzilla King of the Monsters where they kind of futz around with it for American audiences. And as of now, two American productions with more on the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that is a uh, 1954's Gojira. Uh, I hope that was uh, interesting uh, to some people. Oh, it's people. very interesting. And, yeah, uh, it'll yeah. be very interesting to see kind of where this falls on the uh, eventual list, which I will be continuing to make. Definitely, yeah. I mean, I was definitely, like I said, I I, I came in on with on to this movie way more positive than I I initially thought. I thought this was going to be like I said, like all right, we have to watch this movie. Um, you know, just to get through it, but I actually revisiting it, it was really, really cool. So very, very happy to revisit it and to continue doing the Bonzilla podcast. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so this is our first Godzilla episode. Yeah, second uh, episode overall. Yeah, when... first Godzilla episode done. And uh, next time, we'll yeah. be going back to the Bond franchise with its second film, From Russia with Love. I can't wait. And also, I, I forgot to mention this up at the top. I want to really give a quick shout out to Kyle. Uh, oh who, yes, Kyle. Yeah, yeah, and um, I'm gonna see. I should have asked if like there was any way I could like you know plug where, him. Yeah, how how to plug him? I'll. Well, that that sounds weird. <laughs> how do you? I'm gonna plug you. I'm gonna plug you, Kyle. <laughs> I don't know. What that is. is that is that still Harrison Ford? <laughs> uh, Kyle, God, where's my wife? Where's Godzilla, Kyle? <laughs> we need to kill Godzilla, Kyle. We need to plug him. I think by the end of this podcast, our goal is to get Harrison Ford in both franchises. Yes. Yes. And he can Pl- phone it in. I don't care. Can he play? He can play M in both franchises. That can be our connection. And then he's just like, Godzilla, defeat King Kong. Um, but anyway, I, I'm going to find a proper way how to plug him, but he made our really awesome, uh, theme song, yes. um, which is also probably playing under this right now. Um, we didn't really need him though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, Kyle. You're amazing. Um, and then, uh, Nick, where can uh, people contact the Bonzilla podcast? Well, if you want to email us, have a question, comment, or concern. I hope you don't have any concerns, but if you do, feel free to email us at uh, bonzillapod at gmail.com. You can also find us on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash bonzilla007, 
or twitter.com slash bonzilla007. Like and subscribe. Leave a rating or review on iTunes and SoundCloud. And, uh, and I think that'll be good. That's it. See you next time. Roar! <laughs> That's my Godzilla roar. <laughs>